0: Christianity is not a dead religion, it's not a cold religion, it's not a head religion. Christianity is a heart relationship with Jesus Christ. The Lord doesn't just save us intellectually, he saves our soul, he saves our spirit. He touches us on the inside. Christianity is an inside job, amen? And and guess what? He called every Christian to be on fire. He called every Christian to be lit. Everybody say lit. Yes. He called every Christian to be lit. He didn't call you just to intellectually assent to something. Oh, yes, I believe that Jesus was here and died for, for me, and, and I, I agree with that intellectually. No, no, as soon as you turn upward towards him in faith, he does something to your heart. He gives you a brand-new heart. He, he does an inside job. He changes your nature. He changes your want to do. He changes your motivations. He changes your desires. He changes your aspirations. He changes your identity. He says to you, you are the light of the world. Amen. Amen. So you know what I call this today? I call this message lit. I think that's the shortest title I've ever given a message. Three letters, lit. Everybody say lit again. I want to talk to you about you and me and how we're to be lit. We're to be lit. We're not to sit, soak, and sour. We're not to be half dead. I want a lit church. I'd rather have a lit church than a huge church. I'd rather have a lit church than any a rich church. I'd rather have a lit church than a... Um, denominational church, not that they can't be lit, but I'd rather have a lit church than any other kind of church. I've walked into some churches, you could ice skate to your seat. They were so cold. Amen? There was no life, there was no feeling, there was no emotion, just cold like you were in a refrigerator. Well, I want us to be in an oven, not literally, because we're already in one out there, but figuratively, I want this place to be lit. I want you to be lit, and God wants you to be lit, and God has called you to be lit. Amen? Now, let's just read what Jesus said in Matthew 5, and then I'm going to jump down to Acts 2, and then I'm going to let you be seated. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14, Sermon on the Mount, you are the world's light. You, a city on a hill, glowing in the night for all to see. So don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your good deeds glow for all to see. So that they will praise your heavenly Father. So lit people bring praise to God. Acts 2. Seven weeks had gone by since Jesus' death and resurrection. So almost two months since the Lord went back to heaven. And the day of Pentecost had now arrived. The 120 people were gathered in the upper room. You know that. And as the believers met together that day, suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. I love the word suddenly because that means you didn't know this was coming. Suddenly, there was a sound like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them. And it filled the house where they were meeting. So they first have an auditory um, manifestation of the spirit. But now they have a visual one. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on their heads And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brought the fire. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your blessing today. Bless your people. Lord, help us to be lit like never before. I pray that hearts that are cold here today will be lit. I pray hearts that are lukewarm will be lit. I pray that those who used to be lit and burning brightly but it's ebbed in their life. I pray that the flame will be stoked. The flame will be fanned. And Lord, it will burn brightly again. Lord, wake us up, stir us up, get us up. Lord, in Jesus' name, do a new thing. In Jesus' name, now pray with me and just say, Lord, light me today. Afresh and anew. Light me with fresh wind and fresh fire. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell your neighbor, I believe he's ready to preach. Go ahead. <laughs> Jesus told his followers in Matthew's gospel, did he not, that they were the light of the world. Now, that's giving us an identification. He's identifying us. He is telling us who we are. Now, there's two people want to identify you, two things to beings. One of them is the devil. He wants to identify you. He wants to identify you. He wants you to believe what he says about you. And then there is Jesus. He always, always, always gave people identity. He, he, he spoke over them who they were in God. And Jesus says to you and to me, followers of his, we are the light of the world. We are the light. Only, listen, no, nothing can be a light unless it's first lit, you got to be lit to be a light. Now he knew he, he told, he told them in his, in his ministries, he went from town to town. I'm the light of the world. He called himself the light of the world. But as he looked at people that were following him, he said, now, since you're following me as I've been the light of the world, one day I'm going to go away. One day I'm going back to heaven. And what I'm doing is when I go back to heaven, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to light you like I'm lit. He's going to, he's going to light you and, and you're going to, to be what I was. You're going to be the light of the world. You're going to shine into the night of a sin darkened world. You're going to shine where there is darkness. I'm not going to put you around a bunch of other lights only, but I'm going to put you where you're needed in dark places. And when you find yourself in a dark place, you can either say, Oh me, what am I going to do? Or you can wake up and realize he's put me here because I'm lit. And since I'm lit, I'm supposed to light up things. When I go where there is darkness, I'm supposed to drive darkness away where I go. I'm the light of the world. That's the only thing a light is for. If we don't need a light, then we don't have a light. If we had light in here, we wouldn't need these lights. If Jesus, if if the world was light, it wouldn't need us to be lights, but the world is dark. And so God sends us as lights into the world. And then in the book of Acts, we're told that when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the fledgling church of Jesus Christ, he manifested his presence in two forms. First, as the sound of a rushing, violent wind. That's the word when it says rushing, mighty wind. In the Greek, that's violent, a rushing, violent wind. It sounded like a hurricane wind. It was not just a a, a pleasant breeze-sounding wind. But it was like a hurricane wind, a tornadic wind. It was a violent wind, and yet it wasn't blowing things. It was a sound. It was auditory. And then immediately following the sound of rushing wind, what looked like flames of fire. this was dynamic, everybody. When the spirit of God fell, it was dynamic. It, it was it was, dy- it was heart-stoppingly dynamic. Flames of fire. What looked like flames of fire fell upon every one of those gathered in the upper room. Now, they weren't burned. It wasn't a fire that burned like it wasn't a wind that really blew things. It was auditory and it was visual. But this is how the Spirit manifested, like wind and like fire. Luke records that the wind of the Spirit that filled the room where the early church was was powerful. It howled. God seemed to be saying, no man or devil will be able to withstand the power of my spirit when it blows upon a person or a place. That's the idea behind the rushing, howling, violent-sounding wind. Jesus told the ruler of the Jews, Nicodemus, who snuck out to see him at night because he didn't want anybody to know that he went to see Jesus. Jesus said, so don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again, And then he said, the wind, here's Jesus talking about the wind, a spiritual wind. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. Catch this. Just like the natural wind blows indiscriminately and cannot be controlled, you don't know where it's coming from, you don't know where it's going, it just suddenly blows. So the Holy Spirit also blows indiscriminately, unpredictably. It cannot be controlled. You got somebody lost, so lost, living in darkness. I mean, they may even even be famous for their sin. And, And there they are just going through life. And suddenly, they fall under conviction. And suddenly, they begin to think about the state of their soul. And suddenly, they call out on God to be saved. And God changes their life. And people say, how did this happen to you? I don't know, I was just sitting there. And all of a sudden, I came under conviction. And I knew that I needed him. And I called out on him. And look what he's done. He gave me a brand new heart, a brand new life. So it is with those who are born of the spirit. You don't know where the wind is coming from. I'm praying the wind blows through this place. I'm praying that the wind blows freshly and powerfully through this place. How many of you would love for the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow your way? Come on, everybody. Now, this is the way the, this is the, way the blowing of the Holy Spirit happens. All of a sudden, he's there. All of a sudden, lives are changed, and you can't account for it. There's no, you know, you, there's no rhyme or reason. Suddenly, this famous sinner is changed, transformed by the power of the living God because the power of the Spirit blew on them he touches whom he desires and he touches people you would never expect last night i went into intercession i prayed over this church i prayed over this city and i said oh god give us fresh wind fresh fire give us fresh wind lord blow again blow on us But the arrival of the Spirit also manifested as fire, and that's what I want to focus on today, the fire, the fire. Fire is often a symbol of the Spirit and presence of God in the Bible. You track the Bible, go through the Bible, and you'll see that often fire was a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit manifested as fire. God called Moses out of a bush that burned. It was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. It was the Holy Spirit. And that bush is a picture of the human heart that when God touches it, it burns, but it's not consumed. It's not a bad burning. It's a good burning. It's Holy Ghost heartburn. I love Holy Ghost heartburn. Some of you need some fresh Holy Ghost heartburn. I need fresh Holy Ghost heartburn. God led Israel across the wilderness with a cloud by day and a pillar of what by night? Fire. John the Baptist told his followers, he said, I indeed baptize you with water, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and Well, does that mean that God's going to burn us up? No, that's not what it means. It means some other kind of fire is going to come upon those who follow Jesus, who come to Jesus, turn to Jesus by faith, and it's spiritual fire. He said he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and along with the Holy Spirit is going to come a spiritual fire. Did you catch that, church? Along with the Holy Spirit is going to come a spiritual fire. He will baptize you. That means immerse you in, dunk you in, cover you in, envelop you with the Holy Spirit and with the Spirit, fire, fire, spiritual fire. This prediction of John's dovetails of what happened on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God fell in the form of fire, resting on the heads of Jesus' disciples, everyone that had decided to follow Jesus and followed him all the way and were waiting in the upper room for him to fall by the Spirit of God, they all had fire hanging over their heads that looked like tongues, like, like, like extent. you know what I'm saying, tongues of fire over every one of them And they were transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and they burned for Jesus the rest of their life. Fire. Fire. The meaning of the fire of the Spirit when it falls upon a person is that it will melt your cold heart and cause you to burn with spiritual zeal and a burning love for God. The Bible calls it your first love. When the fire of the Holy Spirit falls upon you and me, he burns away the coldness of our hearts, the apathy of our hearts, the the, the sinfulness of our hearts, and he sets us on fire with zeal, spiritual zeal, and with intense, burning love for God. Fire. Everybody say fire. <clears throat> the Bible is so full of this teaching, I just had to kind of Pluck some examples, but in the book of Leviticus, we have a beautiful, vivid picture of this powerful truth. Can I just tell you that Christians are meant to be set on fire by God? Christians are designed and called to be set on fire by God, not just to get saved, get our fire insurance, and go about our lives. No, not just fire insurance, but fire, fire. It only makes sense that if the Spirit that manifested as fire dwells in us that he would make us fiery like himself. The psalmist said that God makes his angels spirits. His ministers a flame of fire. Everybody say, I'm a minister. Oh, yeah, you are. You say, well, I don't feel like a minister. Well, you are. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a called out people for what reason? That you would show forth the praises of him that called you out of the dark into the light. All right, so stay with me, I'm chosen. You're a chosen generation, and Paul said he gave, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints to do the work of ministry. Now, let me read the verse again. He makes his angels, spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire, a flame of fire. John Wesley said, I go to a town And I go out into the field, a a field outside that town. And I tell all the people in the town, I'm going to preach about Jesus. And they come by the thousands just to watch me burn. True ministers, and that's you and me, true believers, are to be lit. We're to be on fire. We're to be fiery. Full of conviction. Full of passion for God. Full of desire for the things of God full of love for our Savior, lit by God. Before the Spirit fell, it amazes me, the disciples were fearful, cowardly, full of doubts, and hiding behind closed doors. But after the Spirit fell, they were transformed into men on fire with burning hearts, burning boldness, and a burning message that set Rome on fire. Oh, folks, we need fiery people. We need people standing up and saying, I don't care about political correctness. I'm going to let it out. Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world, and I'm on fire to tell you about it. In the book of Leviticus, we have a beautiful picture, a vivid picture of this powerful truth. As the children of Israel journeyed through the wilderness, God told them, I want you to build a tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle was like a humongous rectangular tent. And the tabernacle is where they were to meet with God. But outside of the tabernacle, they were to build an altar. They were to build an altar. God said, I want you to build an altar on the outside in the front of the tabernacle. The tabernacle is where they were to meet with God. But the altar is where they were to make offerings like the atonement offering. So that their sins would be forgiven, atoned for. Now, now God gave a very specific command about the altar outside in front of the tabernacle. He said about the altar, the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. Everybody say continuously. Now watch this. What is the next few words? Read it with me. It must not go out. Now you remember when Paul said, the things that were written in the Old Testament were written for our instruction in the New Testament. Now, what is the idea? What is the typology? What is the symbolism here of this altar built in front of the place where they were going to meet with God that was supposed to be lit and the fire was never to go out? Let me tell you the symbolism. The tabernacle altar that was to be to burn and never go out is an Old Testament symbol of New Testament hearts. Because our hearts are the altar of God. Altars are where you worship God. You worship God at the altar. That's why we believe in altar ministry down here. Because altars are where you meet with God, worship God, have encounters with God. And how do we have an encounter with God? We don't have an encounter out here. We have an encounter in here. Our hearts are the altar of God. And are you ready? They are to burn and never go out. Never to go out. Now, carrying the, the picture even further the Bible says that the fire at that altar, the fire at that altar in front of the tabernacle was first lit by God, not man. Leviticus 9.24 records that fire came out from the presence of the Lord And consume the burnt offering. Can you imagine putting an offering on the altar and suddenly from heaven comes a roaring fire and comes down and lands on that offering and burns it up? And listen, when that happened, the altar was lit. It was lit by God himself. Let me tell you about you and me. We didn't light our hearts on fire for God. God lit that fire. He lit that fire when he poured not fire from heaven, not literal fire, but the fire of the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And once he lit our hearts on fire with passion and love for God and zeal, here's the command. It must never go out. It must never go out. God's part was to light it. Their part was to keep it burning. He told them, now I've lit it. Now you keep it burning. I've done my part. You do your part. I've lit that fire with holy fire. And now I want you to do your part and be sure that fire never ebbs, that it never dies, that it never goes out. But you burn and you keep on burning. And there's a song we used to sing. Keep it burning, burning, burning. Keep it burning till the break of day. I'm not a singer, but I'm just telling you what it said. Everybody say burning, 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 burning. I'm to burn. Say it with me. I'm to burn. And the fire on my heart is to never go out. Now, when Israel moved from the tabernacle uh, into Solomon's new temple, then, they, then Solomon also built an altar. And the Bible says when they moved into the new temple, when they dedicated the new temple, God again lit the fire, lit the original fire on the new altar. The Bible says when Solomon finished praying in his dedicatory prayer to dedicate the temple to God, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Do you see the pattern here? On the first altar, God lit the fire. On the second altar, God lit the fire. In the New Covenant, when his people gathered together, God lit the fire. Fire fell upon them in the same, with the same idea. I'm going to light the altar of your heart on fire, and the fire is to never go out. And you want a you want a mind blower? The flame that was lit after Solomon dedicated that temple burned for over 400 years. They kept it lit, kept it lit, kept it lit. See, this was the problem with Eli. Eli backslid. His sons backslid. He started to, to neglect the, te- the 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 fire. In in the temple. And God raised Samuel up to be sure that the fire kept burning. When, When Eli began to fail at keeping the fire alive, God raised up somebody else to keep the fire alive. Because the fire must not die. See, if we don't burn, God will raise somebody else up to do what we should have done. 400 years, four centuries longer than America... They kept that fire burning, 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 kept it lit night and day, day and night. The fire never went out for over 400 years. And the only time it finally went out is when Babylon invaded Jerusalem because they had sinned against God and destroyed the temple, and with it, the, the altar, and with that, the fire, and that's the first time in 400 plus years that fire had gone out, and it went out because of sin. Now, the application for we Christians in the New Testament is this. Let me bring it home to us today. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, Paul said. Say with me, I'm the temple. Now, if the fire burned in front of the tabernacle, and then it burned in the temple, that's a picture of us one day being the temple and the fire burning in us. And so the application is, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our hearts are the altar. And like Israel, we are tasked by God with keeping the fire burning that he himself lights when we're saved. How many of you can remember when you got saved, your heart was strangely warmed? Remember? That's that's what John Wesley said when he got saved. He said, My my heart was strangely warm. And that's what happened to me. When I got saved, a fire came into my heart. Can I talk to you now? Can I just tell you the way it really is? If you really know the Lord, there's a fire inside. There's a warmth inside. There is a love for God. There is, a, there is an interest in the things of God. Your desires are changed. Your want to do is changed. Your motivations are changed. Uh, who, who used to want to read the Bible? I didn't. But once I was saved, I had a hunger for the things of God. My heart was set on fire and I could not get rid of it. And along with the fire came the fire to preach the word of God. Jeremiah said this, his word was in me like fire shut up in my bones. And I could not keep it in. I couldn't keep it to myself. And God lit me. How many of you can say he lit me? Come on, he lit me. Raise your hand. Give the Lord a wave offering if he lit you. You got lit. You got lit. Come on. You got lit with first love. You got lit. God changed your life. Changed changed who you were and what you were about. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. All has become brand new. We used to burn to go sin. But once you're saved, you burn for the things of God. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And our hearts are the altar. And he lit them on fire. And we're to keep the fire burning until the day we meet Jesus or until the day he comes again. That's the oil in the lamp. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. What did the virgins have? Five virgins had oil, five didn't. What what, what did that mean? It meant five of them kept on burning till the return of the bridegroom. Some of you listening to me today, and I've been there, I'm not pointing a finger at you because I've been there. You used to burn red hot for God, yet the fire has ebbed into a flicker. It's flickering. It's not raging like it used to, it's flickering. You're like that church in Revelations where Jesus said, You have a little strength. You've still got a little strength. You got a little strength. You're kind of hanging by a thread because the fire has ebbed. The fire has ebbed. Or busyness with other things has caused you to neglect the fire. You didn't mean to, but you got to go doing this, that, and the other. And you neglected the fire because, you see, it's up to us to put fresh oil, fresh kindling, fresh fresh fuel into the fire. Or some offense or hurt. And I know I'm right on this. Some offense, somebody offended you or hurt you, and that has quenched the fire. My message to you today is two things. One, God has called you to burn again. You say, my best days are behind me. I'm never going to burn like that. That, that, was, that, was, that was the crazy stage, the, the, the newborn stage, the cage stage. And now that I'm out of the cage stage, I've matured. No, you've gotten cool. Don't call coolness maturity. Amen. I'm, I'm still burning. I'm burning because I, I fuel it. I, put, I give fuel to the fire. And if I didn't, I wouldn't burn anymore. But I'm telling you, we got to be careful. We don't call maturity coolness. Because God has called us to to burn. I mean, give me a church full of cage stage people any day of the week. They witness to everything that moves. If you can't find a human, you'll witness to an animal. You'll witness. You're going to talk about Jesus everywhere you go. You're lit. People see you coming and they say, "Uh uh-oh, get ready, because they're going to talk about Jesus. You're You're lit. You're lit. You're lit. You are lit, 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 lit. Religious people are cold as ice, but real Christians are on fire. They have a fire. They're lit. Even Paul had to write Timothy and tell him these words. Timothy, what's going on with you? Now, that's my part. He didn't say that. I'm reading that into it. Timothy, what's up with you? What's going on with you? Aren't you my son in the faith? And then he says, here's what he did say. I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame. Everybody say fan into flame. So who can fan the flame into a raging fire again? Who can do it? You. The only one that can do it is you. Paul didn't say, Timothy, I'm coming to visit you, and I'm going to fan into flame the gift of God that's in you. No. He said, Timothy, you fan it. You fan it, Timothy. Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul said, your fire, Timothy, has ebbed, and I want you to fan it into flame. See, so you say, well, Jeff, how do I do that? I'm going to give you two simple, quick ways. One, you've got to get rid of what quenches it. Whatever is quenching it, you've got to get rid of it. And I'm going to tell you, the devil is expert at bringing things in that quench the fire in our heart. You've got to remove what quenches it. The Bible says quench not the Holy Spirit. Don't quench it. When you gossip about people, it quenches it. If you dabble in sin, it quenches it. If I dabble in sin, it quenches my fire. See, the, the fire is like a real fire in the sense that you've got to tend it. You've got to take care of it. We've all had fireplaces. You know, you can get a raging fire going in there, but in two hours, it's ebbing. There's nothing left in there to, to burn fresh. So you've got to feed it. You've got to feed it. And that's the second thing. Not only do you have to get rid of what quenches it, but you've got to feed it. Everybody say, feed the flame. Faithfully feed the flame. You've got to feed that flame you got to feed the flame. The priests were ordered to daily go out and gather firewood to feed the flame at the altar of God. Every day they had to go gather the wood. Likewise, you and I have got to feed the fire faithfully every day with the kindling of the word of God. We've got to feed it every day. Am I talking to anybody here today? Are you all with me? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. You say, well, Jeff, I don't really care about the flame. If you don't care about the flame, that's a bad sign. You ought to care if you're burning or not. Amen? You know, when they made trains, when trains were created, the first trains were steam engine trains. They were they were powered by steam. Inside the engine of these steam engine trains were furnaces, and those furnaces were set ablaze by coal. And the man that was charged to keep the fire burning that created the steam that powered the engine that moved the wheels was called a stoker. The stoker was hired to watch the flame. And as the train is moving down the tracks, it's got fire in its belly. The fire is creating steam. The steam is powering the engine. And the engine is moving the wheels. He knew that it all depended on him whether or not that train made it to its destination. Because if he didn't feed the flame, there's no steam. If there's no steam, there's no power. And if there's no power, the wheels don't move. If the wheels don't move, you're stuck. If the wheels don't move, you're not going to get to where you're supposed to be. So it all came down to shovel that coal, feed the flame, shovel the coal, feed the flame, shovel the coal, feed the flame. And as long as the flame was fed, the steam was created and the engine was powered and the wheels moved and they got there. Now making that, bringing that down to you and me, we've got to feed the flame every day because that's what creates the steam of God's energy and power inside of us. And as we, as we feed the flame and it creates the steam, then our lives have power. And if our lives have power, then we're moving. We're not stuck in a valley. We're not stuck in our predicaments. We're not stuck in our growth. We're not stuck in our walk. We are moving because we're shoveling the coal that feeds the flame, that creates the steam, that moves the wheels, that gets us where we're supposed to go. And some of you are stuck on the track. You've been stuck on that track, sometimes for years, and God is saying, it's not over. You just need to feed the flame again. So grab the coal, which is the word of God. Spend time in prayer. It will put fire. It'll stoke the flame. Everybody say, I am my own stoker. Well, oh, that's good stuff. That is good stuff. That is good stuff. Because see, if the stoker gets slack in his job, the fire in the furnace dims. And when the fire dims, the steam that powers the engine is not there. And so everything stops. It's not that God has forsaken you. It's not that God's walked out on you. It's not that he's not answering prayer. No, we're the stokers of our own flame. Paul telling Timothy, fan into flame. The gift of God. Timothy, you're your own stoker. Stoke the flame. Get going, son. Come on. You're stuck. Get down the track. So I have a job every day as a believer. I have a calling. And the first calling is to me. It's to me. Because if I don't fan the flame, I got no steam. I've got no steam of the energy of God. I've got no steam of the power of God. I, I, and therefore, I'm not moving. And if I'm not moving, how are you going to follow somebody that's not moving? See, I got to be moving so that anybody under my leadership, we're going somewhere together. I don't want to carry a whole church full of people into a stuck place. No, I want to go higher than I was this year. I want to go further than I was six months ago. I want to move down the track, and I think you want to move down the track. So you gotta, you've got to, you got to fan into flames. The gift of God. It must never go out. I want you to stand with me. Everybody say, it must never go out. If a a natural fire could burn for over 400 years, don't you think the fire of God's spirit in your heart can burn your lifetime? We can't allow the filth of the world to choke it out. Or the pressures of life to douse it out. Or doubts from the enemy to put it out. Or worldly comforts to smother it out, or the deceitfulness of riches to blow it out, or the tragedies of life to snuff it out. No, the flame must burn till Jesus comes again. That we are those wise virgins that kept oil in our lamp. Amen. Say with me, I'm moving down the track. Amen, so am I. Woo-hoo! Here we go. And as soon as I sense those wheels losing power, I know exactly what to do. The coal of the Word of God. The coal of prayer. And I feed the flame. And I don't come out of my time with God till I'm burning. Amen. With your heads bowed, you can say, Jeff, I need to burn again. Raise your hand. I need to burn again. This spoke to me. I need to burn again. I want you to slip out and come down to the altar right now. Come quickly. The Lord told me to do this. The Lord told me to pray for you. I want you to come. No big deal. We've all been there. Don't be ashamed. Come on. Come on. If you need to burn again, we're gonna we're gonna let God we're gonna let God fan into flame the gift of God right now in this altar. In Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. From all over. I need to burn again. I need to burn again. We're going to get rid of anything hindering the flame. We're going to get rid of anything hindering the flame. They had to remove the ashes every day from that fire. Because the ashes built up and hindered the flame. For us, the ashes are fleshly things. Sin. Offenses. We just need to let the Lord move, take, bring his little Holy Spirit shovel and shovel those ashes away so that we can burn with full potential. Let's lift our hands to the Lord, those of you in this altar. We love you. We love you. I've been where you are. I had to remove ashes. I had to say, Lord, my, my fire is not burning like it needs to. And I had to learn to stoke the flame. Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we want to be lit. And, and, Lord, we're coming to you sincerely with our hearts that we would be lit. We don't want to play church. We don't want to wear the name Christian but, but not burn. We want to be lit, Lord, lit. And busyness has gotten in the way or, or maybe an offense has gotten in the way. Whatever it is, the ashes, there's ashes that have built up and are hindering the flame. So say with me, everybody down here, say, Lord, I give you the ashes, whether it's flesh or distractions, or busyness. Whatever it is, I give the ashes to you. I ask you to send the Spirit of God to remove the ashes. I repent of letting anything hinder the flame. Thank you, Lord. Oh, he's here right now. Holy Ghost surgery happening right now right now some of you you need to say I forgive that person because that offense is like ashes in the altar of my heart and the fire can't burn like it's supposed to until I forgive just say it I forgive you don't have to feel it just say it your tongue will take you where you need to go if you say it the feeling will follow don't wait for the feeling just say it and now with our hands lifted to him say Lord today I resolve to immediately take the time and trouble to fan the flame, to feed the flame, to every day shovel fresh coal of word of God and prayer into the furnace, onto the altar of the fire of my heart until I'm burning, until I'm on fire, Until the fire is a healthy fire and strong and it's moving the wheels down the track. In the name of Jesus, Lord, light me afresh and anew. Now give him a wave offering. Lord, I'm asking you right now to send your spirit and light us on fire. Light us. Send fresh wind, fresh fire, fresh fire, fresh wind. Send it, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, send it, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Give me my hand of praise today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank come on.